0: stinkberry. Oh, don't be a stinkberry. You'll understand it more as we get along, as we go along with it. But before we do, we're in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Uh, but let's let's ask the Lord's prayer, blessing on the message as it goes forth. Father, we thank you, I thank you, for the privilege to stand here and to, to give forth the word that you have given me. And I pray, Lord, that your word would reach into our hearts and change us in a name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 5. We'll look at verses 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. Uh, The one that's singing is Isaiah. The well-beloved Isaiah said God is his well-beloved, right? Is God your well-beloved? Do we love God as much as he loves us? I don't think so. Do we love God as much as we should love God? I don't think so. We cannot love God as much as he loves us. But he gives us a story now or a song about what God thinks about his vineyard. Now listen to what he says. Uh, in the middle of verse, My well-beloved hath a vineyard, and a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, and he gathered out the stones thereof, and he planted it with the choicest vines and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Have any of you ever eaten wild grapes? Is there such a thing as wild grapes? Of course there are. They usually grow near a stream. They are edible. But God said that Israel was like wild grapes. So what are wild grapes anyway? Well, guess what? They're not grapes. Uh, The vineyard, of course, is Israel. But what are wild grapes? The the Hebrew word for wild grapes is beshuyam. And what is a beshuyam? Beth is a stinking, worthless berry, what we call today stink berries. Have you ever seen a stink berry? You don't want to see a stink berry. Have you ever come near a stink berry? You don't want to come near a stink berry. A stink berry comes from the male ginkgo biloba tree. Now, you're saying to yourself, I thought ginkgo biloba was a, was a good supplement. It is. But ginkgo biloba supplement is made from the leaves of a male, sorry, leaves, a male ginkgo below the tree. But these stink berries come from a female ginkgo below the tree. <laughs> I'm the one that's saying it, not you. I'm interested. I wasn't aware that there was such a thing as a male and a female tree. Not all trees are male or female. Some trees have both male and female, the stamen and the flower and all that. But some trees are strictly female and some trees are strictly male the way that pretty much that you can tell a female tree from a male tree is that the female trees have berries or actually they're not berries they're seeds and the male trees don't the male trees give off the pollen and the female trees take it not every, not every tree does that but the ginkgo biloba tree does do that and so god said he made this beautiful vineyard did everything right and he went to look to see if the beautiful grapes And what he got was stinkberries. A stinkberry smells bad. Stinkberries smell like rancid butter. And the reason they smell like that is because they contain butyric acid. Butyric acid smells real bad. They are also poisonous. They probably wouldn't kill you, but they would make you very sick. They smell so bad the birds won't even go near them. The birds don't eat stinkberries. They won't even go near a stinkberry. If you weren't near a stink, there's no ginkgo biloba trees around here. They're, they're more down the south. Uh, did you ever see a stinkberry? Uh, a ginkgo biloba tree? Some of them are bushes. Some of them are real good-sized trees. But if you ever get near a female's ginkgo biloba tree, take a whiff and you'll know what a stinkberry smells like. But the purpose, the reason that God called Israel stinkberries was because they were worthless. Stink berries are worthless you can't eat them the birds won't eat them the squirrels won't eat them we can't eat them they're worthless they're no good so here's the Lord he he likens everything that he did for Israel to a, to a, a vineyard and he did everything that needed to be done as a matter of fact if you look at uh, in chapter three chapter five I mean uh, verses three and four he says there, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could I have done more to my vineyard that I have not done it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes or stinkberries or worthless berries. Did God do enough for Israel in order for them to be an obedient, wonderful tribe. Look what he did. Let's talk about a few things that he did. First of all, he called Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and he protected them all through those four generations. He protected Abraham, he protected Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. You know what what Jacob went through when he went to uh, to see uh, Laban and all his family, and he got a wife there. God protected them, took care of them all the way through that time. Secondly, he delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. Joseph went into Egypt. You know what happened to him there. He ended up being the second second to only the Pharaoh. And he took care of Egypt during the plague, and he took care of Israel during the plague. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 41, it says, and it came to pass at the end of 430 years. That's how long Israel was in Egypt, 430 years. Even the selfsame day it came to pass that, it, that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. He delivered them through Moses out of Egypt and took care of them. You know all the things that he did for the for, for people of Israel. He, he led them with a fiery column during the day, a fiery column during the night, and a, and a cloud during the day. Led them all through the wilderness. He carried them through the wilderness for 40 years. Deuteronomy 8.4 says, Thy raiment wax not old upon thee. 40 years. Their clothes didn't wear out. Neither did thy foot swell. These 40 years. If you walked every day for miles and miles and miles for 40 years, your feet would swell up. But God said, your clothes aren't going to wear out, your shoes aren't going to wear out, and your feet aren't going to wear out. Your feet aren't going to swell. By the way, They were in the wilderness for 40 years, but that wasn't God's fault. That wasn't God's plan. In Numbers chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, and then verse 29, God said to the Israelites, Because all those men which have seen my glory, did they see his glory? Wow, did they see his glory. And my miracles, did they see his miracles? Did they see the Red Sea part and have a wall of water on this side and a wall of water on that side? which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me thou these ten times and have not forsaken have not hearkened to my voice surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers neither shall any of them that provoked see see it your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from twenty years old and upward which have murmured against me So, everybody that came out of Egypt that was over 20 years old, they died in the wilderness. God said, you're not going to see the promised land. That wasn't God's fault, but he did protect them all the way through that time. He carried them through the wilderness for 40 years. He gave them the land of Canaan when they finally got there. He gave them the land of Canaan. In Joshua 1.3, it says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said to Moses. Didn't God tell Moses he was going to give them this land? He told them a little bit more than that, but we're going to talk about that too. Fifthly, he blessed them in Canaan. They were in Canaan for a long time, over 400 years. And he said in Leviticus 26 verses 3 to 6. I know I'm quoting a lot of scripture here, folks. But I rather let God talk than me talk, right? Amen. Leviticus 26, Leviticus 26 verses 3 to 6. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, this is God talking to Israel. Then will I give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall e- yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach into the vintage, and the vintage shall reap into the soil. In other words, one season will fall right into the next season, will fall right into the next season, and there will be food all the way through all these different seasons. And ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace to the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid all the evil beasts out of the land, Neither shall the sword go through your land, but what happened? God said, "If you do this, I'll do that." Did they do this? Now God made a promise, but it was, that promise was contingent on if he walk in my statutes, statutes, and keep my commandments. So what did they do? They followed the idols of Canaan. They worshipped the idols of Canaan. Matter of fact, before they even got to Canaan, what did they do right at Mount Sinai? They made themselves a golden a golden calf. They worshiped the idols of Canaan. They sacrificed their children to the god of Molech into the fire. They ignored God's laws. They ignored the Sabbath. They ignored the feast day. They sacrificed to false gods. For almost a thousand years between the time that God got them out of Egypt until Captivity. Almost a thousand years, God put up with that. God's long suffering mercy put up with their failures. They failed. Go through the book of Judges, they fail. They would be punished by their enemies. They would repent and turn to God. God would send them a judge. They'd live okay for a while. Then they'd fail again. And a vicious cycle all the way through. You see that all the way through the book of Judges. 430 years in the book of Judges too so what would be the results Thirdly, what are the results of Israel's unbelief we already saw some of it but going back to Isaiah I hope you're still in Isaiah chapter 5 verses 5 through 7 now he says and now go to or, or in other words pay attention I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up by your enemies. And break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down by your enemies. And I will lay it waste, and it shall not be pruned, nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns, and I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry. After all that time, and all those warnings, did God warn them? I mean, did God just warn them one time like we saw in Leviticus, and that was it? Did he he not send prophets and prophets and prophets and Isaiah's and Jeremiah's and, and Ezekiel well Ezekiel was already in the captivity. And Hosea and Joel, Amos, read all the read all that stuff about the in the minor prophets. And all those things in Isaiah and Jeremiah. And all the times that God warned them, if you don't if you don't follow my laws, this is what's gonna happen. So many times he warned them all through that time. And what happened? Did they yield that warning I don't understand it. I just don't get it. Uh, kind of reminds me of me. God warns me. On the, God warns all of us about things in the Bible, things that He wants us to do, and we don't always do it, do we? So what happened? First of all, the ten northern tribes of Israel, Samaria, Ephraim, were taken away by Assyria. In Second Kings chapter seventeen, verse six, it says. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria, in the ninth year, the king of, uh, I say that again, in the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria, and carried Israel away into Assyria, and placed them in Halah, in the harbor by the river of Gozan, in the cities of the Medes. So that was the first part of the captivity. The ten northern tribes were taken away by. Assyrians. Did they deserve it? Yes, they did. But he did that. He gave them warnings for almost a thousand years, but they didn't heed to it. And then we have the two tribes of Judah. Isaiah of Jeremiah calls the two tribes of Judah the treacherous sister because Judah saw what was going on up in in Israel. And did did they heed that warning? No, they didn't. 2 Kings chapter 25 verses 8-10, through almost 200 years later. It says, In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuchadnezzar, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and he burnt the house of the Lord, the temple. He burnt it. He destroyed it. And the king's house, David's house, he burned it and destroyed it. And all the houses of Jerusalem and a very great man's house burnt, he would fire. Every great man's house burnt, he would fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans that were with the captain of the gods broke down the walls of Jerusalem round about. And they were taken captive into Babylon. Was that the end of Israel? God gave up on Israel. There are churches today that say God gave up on Israel. There are churches out there today. Their theme is the church is Israel now, and all the promises that were for Israel are now for the church. Now God made special promises for the church, but the promises for Israel were for Israel. The promises for the church are for the church. God did not. God can't break his promise. Didn't God promise to Abraham that he would make him a great nation? And didn't God promise that all the kingdoms of the earth through his generation will be blessed? Who's that? Who's all the kingdoms of the earth that, were be, that will be blessed through Abraham? You're sitting there, right there. You're them. Where did where, where your ancestors come from, Chrissy? French. It's France. How about you? How about you? Portuguese. Those are the great nations of the world. My father came from Wales. My mother came from France. You're Welsh too? Yeah. Well, Wales isn't England. Wales is Great Britain, but Wales is its own country. The Welsh people are from Wales, and Wales is a country. Uh, I think all the countries are represented by the all the kingdoms will be blessed. God promised that. God's not done with Israel. Are is, is Israel right now today? Did they learn their lesson yet? Does Israel recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah? Uh-uh. Well, some, the Christian ones do. I'm talking about Israelites, the Jews, the real the Jews. I'm not talking about Christian Jews. I'm talking about Jews. Remember what I told you the other day about uh, the Passover? what they do at the Passover their Passover dinner that they have it's called the cedar and that that's where they have the lamb and the bitter herbs and the father looks at his oldest son at the end of the dinner and he says go to the door and the oldest son goes to the door and opens the door and the father says is the Messiah there and he says no and he the door. all that all the uh, conservative Jews today they all do that not necessarily all the Jews a lot of the conservative Jews, and they still do that in Israel. They say Jesus was not the Messiah. But has God done with them? No. Nope. God is not finished with Israel. They're, they're not following Jesus right now, but God's not finished with them because the future time is going to come when all Israel is going to turn to God. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 26, says then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant so that I will not take away his seed to be rulers over all the seed of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them that's a reference to 70 years of, of Babylonian captivity they came back to Israel but that wasn't the end of it because in, in Ezekiel chapter 9 he says for we were bondmen." Yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the the house of our God, to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in the land of Jerusalem. Again, God allowed them, brought them back out of the captivity. But there will come a time when Jesus comes back the second time the tribulation period and he's going to set up his kingdom and Israel will be the center of the world at that time. and They will recognize Jesus as their Messiah. But now here's a question. Is it possible for a Christian to become a stinkberry? We don't call it stinkberries today. We call it fax backsliding happen in Christian lives yes it does it can does it have to no it doesn't have to. but does it happen? Yes. I want to look at an example uh, look at a, an example in the New Testament of a Christian who backslid and the sad story of this Christian but what we're going to see at the end of the sad story is a good ending. The sad example is that of John Mark who was John Mark in Acts chapter 12 verse 25 follow. The line, the storyline here. In Acts chapter 12 and verse 25, it says, "And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and took with them John, whose surname was Mark." Okay, they came. They were in um, Antioch, and they came back to Jerusalem, and they told everything that happened. Peter came back. He told everything that happened, and. Barnabas and Saul, at that time his name was Saul, decided that he wanted to take John Mark with them to go and try to set up some more churches in the area of Asia Minor. But first they went to Paphos. In Acts 13.3 it says, Now when Paul and his journey loose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia. And what did John do? John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. He didn't like what he saw happened that that way that they went through when they were at Paphos. That was when they went at, ran into Bar Jesus and all that stuff, and uh, they had some they had some some problems there. And John John marks that this is too much for me. I'm going back to Jerusalem. Okay, so he had a problem and he went back to Jerusalem. But in Acts chapter 15 verse 36 to 38 it says and some days after Paul said to Barnabas this, they had already come back now they get ready to go on their second missionary journey and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do alright so Paul says alright Barnabas let's, let's go back to all the cities that, that is the Ephesus Thessalonica and Greece um, Athens, all those different places where they went Asia Minor and down into Greece and let us go back to the cities where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do and Barnabas determined to take with them John whose surname was Mark Barnabas wanted to take John Mark but Paul thought it not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work so Paul said, no, no, I don't want to take John Mark. He, he, he gives up. He's, he's a stinkberry. He's backsliding. He didn't want to go to the work. He didn't want to get involved in all the trouble that we got into. He thought it, he departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So John Mark. what I said about Israel? Was God finished with Israel because they failed? No. Was God finished with John Mark? No. Did John Mark repent? Yes. Was God able to use John Mark again? Yes. How do we know that? In 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11 Paul says only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with me for he is profitable to me for the ministry. God is long-suffering. God is patient. God is merciful. Christians have a tendency to backslide. They run into problems sometimes. They run into their friends who they have lost sometimes, and sometimes they slide. Backsliding means they go away from God's Backsliders do not lose their salvation. Backsliders lose fellowship with God. Backsliders lose the ability to be used by God. Just like Paul said, John Mark, he's not profitable for the ministry. But later on, in 2 Timothy, Second Timothy was way near the end of Paul's ministry. And by that time, John Mark had repented. And John Mark was very busy with Timothy in Ephesus and working with him. And he said, Take John Mark and bring him with me, with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So God was not done with John Mark, and God was able to use John Mark again. So here's the question: Are there lasting results of being a stink bear? Are there lasting results? Somebody's shaking their head. Yes. Yes, there are. There are lasting results to being a stinkberry. There are lasting results to being a backslider. It doesn't mean that God can't use you anymore. It doesn't mean God can't allow you to repent. It doesn't mean that God can you can't use you again, but there are results of being a stinkberry or being a backslider. What are they? I would like you to go to First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 12 through 15. You shouldn't have to scare you. you, shouldn't have to make you nervous, but they make me nervous. Look what it says in chapter 12. I mean uh, verse 12 of chapter 3. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Does this sound like lasting results? It does. If any man's work abide which he hath built upon he shall receive a reward. That's the gold, silver and precious stones. If any man's work shall be burned He shall suffer loss. That's the wood, the hay, and the stubble. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Uh, Any Christian can come through a a part of his life where he backslides, where he gets away from God, where uh, he yields to this guy over here. Remember this guy over here? The sin nature, right in there? This guy, we call them this guy and this guy. Sin nature and spirit nature. Sometimes we follow this guy, God allows us to follow that guy. But if we follow that guy, we're gonna go away from God. We're gonna we're gonna disobey what this guy is saying. The spirit nature, the one you got when you were born again. Christians can trust Christ as their Savior and truly be saved, and they can fall away a little bit. They can become rich. Not wrong to be rich, but to pursue filthy lucre. They can be famous. They can be successful. They can become the President of the United States. They could be millionaires if they're pursuing after that. That's the wood, hay, and stubble. The things that we do after we're saved that fulfill the flesh instead of fulfilling the spirit that fulfill what we want instead of fulfilling what God wants for us that's the wood, hay, and stubble and that is not going to survive the fire of God but if we're saved and we serve the Lord we preach the gospel I mean as a pastor we work in Sunday school we get up and sing we play the piano we take care of the, of the, of the thank God for the song boy that sound room is allowing people on social media to see this message not that my message is so great but there's a lot more people listening to what this this sermon on this message on probably on social media. There is not just one program. There's several. There's people in India that can. They may not be seeing tonight, but on Sundays, there's people in India that see the service through social media, and those guys are the ones that make it possible. So thank God for the sound room. That is gold, silver, precious stones. But then there's all that those there's, there are those that say, the rewards. God, that Jesus is going to give us uh, crowns. There's five different kinds of crowns, and we won't get into the different crowns. But they say, well, I mean, uh, I'm going to cast those crowns to Jesus' feet anyway, so I'm not going to be able to keep them. So is that really a reward? Absolutely, as pastor says, absolutely. Because if you're standing before Jesus and you don't have a crown to give him, you I don't think you're going to be too happy. that scares me is if I look at Jesus and I see in his face disappointment and he doesn't say well done thou good and faithful servant and he is disappointed with how I use my life as a Christian and I don't have any crowns to cast at his feet that's worse than anything that I can think of that scares the bejeevers out of me it probably shouldn't but it does Because I can look back at my life and I can see a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. I've been saved for 52 years. I got saved when I was 18. And I'm 70 now. And I I can look back at those 52 years and I see a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. And I, you know, I don't want to see that burn up when I'm going to see it burn up. But I hope and I pray that there's more gold, silver, and precious stones when Jesus looks at me he says well done you were perfect you had a couple of flaws here and there but I'm happy with how you served me that's what I want to hear none of us is perfect we can't change the past you know you've got wood hay and stubble in your past you can't change that nobody can go back in time and change what they've done the past is the past you can't change it that's why Paul said I press forward toward the mark of the high calling. That's the gold. That's the gold and the silver and the precious stones. Those are the things that we should strive for. Those are the things that that we want to please God with. So once again, let me just say this: Don't be a stinkberry. Okay? Don't be a wild grape. Don't be worthless. Don't be something that God won't use. I hate to say God can't. I don't like to say God can't. I say God won't. I'm not kidding. Really, there is such thing as a stinkberry. You look it up on on. on you look it up, and they'll tell you the ginkgo below a tree. It's not really a berry; it's a seed, but it smells bad, and the birds won't go near it. It's worthless. Okay. Don't be a stinkberry. Be a loving follower and server of the Lord. That's what he wants you to be. Doesn't matter what it is. Ushers, playing the piano, I named all those little different things, cleaning the bathroom, whatever it is, whatever God has laid on your heart. Listen, every every one of you here, including myself, have a special gift that God has given to you when you were saved. And God wants you to use that gift. Not everybody can be a preacher. I'm not a preacher, I'm just a teacher. Not everybody can play. I can't play the piano. Chrissy can play the piano. God gave her that gift, right? She'll tell you every time. You go up to Chrissy and and, and compliment her on her play, what's she going to say? Praise the Lord. It's God. That's the right attitude to have. So once again, don't be a stinkberry. Serve the Lord with all your heart to the best of your ability. You may not be perfect like me. I'm not perfect, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Father, we thank you for this message, and Father, we pray that we would apply that to our lives and help us to be servants of the Lord, as Paul said about John Mark, that he he can use John Mark, even though for a while he was a stinkberry, but now he's, but then he was later on, he was used by God, and let us not dwell on the. Wood, hay, and stubble, but dwell on the future gold, silver, and precious stones. We ask it now in Jesus' name.